Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Joe Reinagle. That's the third time in seven seasons. The San Antonio Spurs are the NBA champions. Jason Minutes. They go back to big day as Super Bowl champions. Dallas 52, Buffalo 17. It's the Blitz on 94-1 San Antonio Sports Star. It is the Blitz here on 94-1 San Antonio Sports Star. He's Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Minnix. Day three of our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage continues. Brought to you by Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds and Synergenics. You know it's Wednesday, Joe. It is. Yes, it is Wednesday. <laughs> uh, you, you got thousands of people in a convention center. Every day kind of runs together. This this place is packed. Today, it feels too, like we it? showed up on Wednesday and it's already Friday afternoon. No kidding. Boy, I, I mean, it's, it's been one of those uh, one of those days already because well, we had the big media party last night. Yeah. Which yep. Uh, started off like, what the hell is this? That turned out to holy crap, that was awesome. You know, it really was. There were there were different levels of this, and each one had a different view of what Vegas is or was or can be, uh, and the old school Vegas. That was that was my favorite level two. Old school Vegas. That was that was perfect. We were hanging out, and I say hanging out. I actually had this guy on the phone with my mother. Ah, well, I had a fact check it right. He's he's. I mean, he's got this big display. He is Elvis Presley's stepbrother. <laughs> this guy has made a career out of appearances as Elvis's. Stepbrother. Now, now that's interesting. That's why this is the greatest country on the on the planet. <laughs> that you can make money sitting there talking to people, being Elvis Presley's stepbrother. It's the greatest, greatest. Uh, it's the greatest country in the world. Well, I, I, look, my mom is the biggest Elvis fan out there. Just ask her. Uh, even if you know somebody who's the biggest Elvis fan out there. Now, I'm not because it was hard to hear. But my daughter takes the phone, calls my mom. And it's like, guess who I'm with? I'm with, well, so you're with blah, 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 just all this kind of stuff. And he's got the photos and some cool stories, but, yeah, he's making a pretty good living off of his brother's name. Hey, I'm not mad at him. If you can do that, that's great. He said he went to work for Elvis when he was 16. Elvis said, you know, screw school or something to that effect. Come to work for me. Is it worked for him for five years uh, before he passed away? Well, it, it, and it's it's crazy. Elvis, that is. Yeah, dr- drop out of school and just come work for me. Yeah. I, I've, I've got you. It, it's going to be... Well, who uh, wouldn't do that? Well, exactly. I, I would do it. It's, it's exactly exactly what it is. Uh, fun party last night at the F1 racetrack. And, you know, when the party ended, well, we weren't ready to, to end. Although we probably should. We should have been. We should have just gone home. So there's been, we've been joking about, you know, those uh, 
little, little places that you see along the way that we've never gone into, but maybe this trip we're going to have to, uh-huh. you know, where you need a tetanus shot to go in. Well, Joe, now granted, everything was free at the media party. So we were feeling pretty good. Those, sure. The, what were they called? Vegas? Uh, oh, the Palomas. Yeah, the Vegas Palomas. Yeah, those were good. Uh, yes. Uh, um, um, very refreshing. Very nice, yes. So we punch in Uber. Joe's like, we're going to a place called Lucky's. That's right. It's supposed to be three minutes away. 38 minutes later, we are in a place where even the bartender lady's like, well, in this neighborhood, make sure you get your drugs before you give them cash, because otherwise you're not going to get either. Well, we didn't get any drugs, fortunately for us, but you had to knock on the door. We'll ring the bell. For her to let you in, because yes. it was locked. For safety reasons. Uh, and then we go to the bar to get a drink, and uh, and she says, are y'all going to gamble? And we go, <laughs> there's, yeah. There's, there's four machines in yeah. this place. <laughs> we said, yeah. Well, well she said, then. Well, I'll comp them for you. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, that's great. Dude, I, I don't know what you're mad at that place for because I won 100 bucks in there. Uh-huh. On a, They have these machines that you can either play blackjack, poker, slots. I don't know. There was something else. And I pull up a slot machine, never seen it before, and bam. Yeah, you won 125 bucks. There you go. I lost 20. Well, thank you for your donation. I appreciate it. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was great. And so, like, all right, well. Yeah, let, let's. Let, let, we were there what thirty minutes? May if that. We spent more time in the Uber going <laughs> and coming. I never felt safe in that place. Well, uh, I, I didn't feel too bad because the door was locked. Well, the so, the door was locked, geez. but the uh, three other people inside of this grand casino looked like they'd been there forever. If you've ever visualized what does a degenerate Vegas gambler look like in the seediest of places, you could go lose money. We were there. Uh-huh. We've seen them. Well, it, it was Lucky's, and apparently there's more than one Lucky's because it wasn't the one by where we're staying. Nowhere, in nowhere, nowhere close. I mean, this place was so dangerous and so secure uh-huh. that they didn't even trust the people with the bathroom key. If you had to pee, she wouldn't unlock the door. Well, she handed me the key so I could do it myself. Oh, okay. I guess I was a little seedy. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so I felt pretty safe in there. And she was surprised to see us, to be totally honest with you. Um, so, uh, you know, it was a fun night. It was a great experience. And then we go back to what's supposed to be a decent casino, and, and it was worse than the first one. Dude, whatever Hooters was at one point, which I've never been to. Dude, it was uh, Rob Thompson has told us stories about when he was there for the grand opening when he was with EA, and it's close to the house. It's called Oyo or something right now. That was awful. It was terrible. That, that place was awful. They had like, uh, I don't know, they had a bunch of blackjack tables, but there were only like three of them open. Yeah. So you couldn't sit down. There were people all over the place. And then there was nobody else. I mean, the place was like it was deserted. I, well, I mean, it's going to be a baseball field soon. Is that one too? They're well, I, I know I, the Tropicana, I, I, the Tropicana is, down. and quite frankly, after going into the whatever they call the Hooters now, Oyo or whatever it is, yeah, uh, just knock that one down too. Nobody's there. Well, I, I would. I mean, that place, yeah, or it needs a hell of a remodeling job. One of the two, because that place was just—it was really bad. Uh, I, I think I like Lucky's better than I did Hooters. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe. Boy, we got a lot going on today here on Wednesday, day three of our Radio Row coverage. And I think about all the different guests that we're going to have today. 
And one that I think is tomorrow. We'll have Tony Pollard coming up tomorrow here on the Blitz. Let me check the schedule real quick. Uh, Tony Pollard. Now, Pollard, and I, I didn't see him, but apparently he was on with Pat McAfee earlier. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of talk about Cowboys defensive coordinator. And, and now Rex Ryan has entered the chat. Rex we said Ryan. that tongue-in-cheek last week, yes. yet Rex Ryan has entered the chat. This was this was Tony Pollard, the Dallas Cowboys running back, earlier today on Pat McAfee talking about Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator. Your guys' defensive coordinator obviously got the head coaching gig in Washington. I think you guys are still going through the process, right, of figuring out who that DC might be. When you got when you face that defense, you guys have stars everywhere you look. What do you think? What do you look for them for next year, and who do you think they might bring in? Um, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> See, I hadn't been on social media. Like, <laughs> kind of, I got rid of Ooh. Instagram like midway through the season. How come? How come? Too much people being negative. I mean, being a, a cowboy, you just have to find ways to keep your mental on point. You know. Yeah, keep the noise out. Yeah. Did you just find out you lost your defense coordinator? I just found out right now. <laughs> oh, what? Hey, he's the congratulations, newsbreaker. Yeah, he's the newsbreaker. Dan yeah. Quinn's the head coach of Washington. Dan Quinn, head coach, Washington, Washington Commanders. Backwards hat show. How's he gonna do? Yeah, I mean, I'm. <laughs> I don't doubt Dan Quinn at all in whatever he's doing, head coaching, defensing. So defensive how does how does uh, pledge us enough? How, how, I, I mean, does nobody on the team text him? Well, is he not friends with anybody? Not, I, this news to me, I mean, the guy's not even on the team, is he? He well, played under the franchise tag. That's done. I guess technically he is, but you know they're talking to him like well, you're head, your defensive coordinator. You're, I, I don't know. Where's he talking about? Is he going to be in Washington? Is he going to be in Philly? Is he going to be in Minnesota? He Who is, knows? He is a Dallas Cowboy until he is not, because the Cowboys could tag him again. They still own his rights. So technically today, All right. he is a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Can't uh, wait to ask him about that. Hey, Tony, where are you playing yeah, next year? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm just listening to that, wondering... Um, what all has he been paying attention to? What are we going to talk to him about? Uh, we'll find out. Now, as we do want to think about who will be the next defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys and what Dan Quinn might be able to do in Washington, Chris Myers from Fox Television, he'll know some good insight on that. He joins us next here live on our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage brought to you by Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds and Synergenics. It is the Blitz here on 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. He's Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Menix. Our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage in Las Vegas continues. Brought to you by Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds and Synergenics. Go to FixMyLowT.com to book your appointment there. Now joined by Fox broadcaster Chris Myers. Chris, always fun catching up with you on Radio Row. I, I'm, I'm curious. We, we just played a clip earlier from Cowboys running back Tony Pollard. Earlier today, dude is on Pat McAfee's show, and they asked him about Dan Quinn leaving, and he had no idea. No idea. No idea. Where has he been? That was the question we had. He said he got rid of Instagram. Well, let me just say, after after the way the Cowboys played in the last playoff game, they should go into hiding for a while. Okay, so he's probably under a rock somewhere, and hopefully he's come out now to be aware. That is shocking, especially even if you were trying to avoid that news. That's that's big news. Maybe that tells you something, not to pick on the Cowboys, about where the connection is uh, with this team and how aware players are of what's going on. 
on. Well, you know, Chris, you can pick on the Cowboys as much as you want to. It's allowed here it on is? this program. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, for the record, he's a hater. Yes. Oh, well, I, you know how that I'm a Jerry Jones fan, by the way. I go way back you, with him. Yeah. I have roots, so I, there's a soft spot there. There but you go. They do I'm a disappoint. truth teller, Chris. Okay. That's uh-huh. all it is. There's yeah. a difference. <laughs> and, and I love Jerry Jones, too, by the way. He's fantastic. But, uh, well, you mentioned it. And, and obviously, Cowboy fans very upset. Uh, it's been a long time since they've made an NFC championship round, much less a Super Bowl. Uh, and, and that Green Bay game was just a, a disaster. What yeah. what what'd you think about that? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, and it seems like it happens every year, no matter what the talent. And I've been on the sidelines for Fox covering the broadcast uh, many times, going back when Aaron Rodgers threw the sideline past the late field goal. That yeah. was another opportunity when they were at home. I was there at Lambeau. And I, th- I think that, you know. the Cass caught it. Yeah, and I, I think he caught it. But anyway, they got a bad break there. Still had a chance to win the game. So anyway, but around that stuff in, in the play. But I'll tell you a couple of, uh, and I won't give their names, but some prominent Cowboys who've had success through the years have later said and I, that we have an issue that during the week of, as the games get bigger, we hear all the hype. You know, it's the America's team, and that built, and it gets it gets into the, our heads of, of the star, even the backup tackle and the backup corner, and, and guys are just not as focused for the big game. And it's still uh, teams want to beat Dallas. I mean, that's part of their 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 history. Even sure. though, as you said, they haven't won in a while, <laughs> but they still have a reputation of the America's team that bothers some players. It bo- some coaches use that against them. Still, uh, no excuse. So that that I didn't see this one coming. First of all, I thought it was an amazing that they were able to get the division okay i thought the eagles this year hey they'll get the, the cowboys will get into the playoffs but but the performance of that team especially the defense um i, I just you know I, and i don't take anything away from green bay had a good game plan but there were just you know adjustments that could have been made so yeah even as just an observer of the nfl and not necessarily a fan of one team or another i, I gotta say i was shocked at that result that like many were chris meyer is joining us here uh, on a, on a Radio Row here on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star and, and, and Chris, I, I I hear that you know we were all shocked. Is when you're talking to the people you're fortunate enough to get to talk to around the league, what is the perception of the Cowboys in big moments, specifically Dak Prescott? Well, I, I think you can get all, people say, "Oh, the constant has been Jerry Jones, the owner." It starts at the top and the way the teams run. But he was there when they when they won the Super Bowl, so he has to hire the right guy. And that that was my follow up to what I was saying about the I don't want to say the lack of preparation. I mean, they prepare, but I, I guess focus and devotion in those moments. And that's where I I think that's the head coach. The head coach. Has has to be and there's different ways to do it you can be the rah-rah in your face guy you know you can be the mild manner guy but you gotta connect with your players or lock them out from whatever they have to be and, and lock them into uh, because they're talented enough to go further than they've gone in, in in most of these cases so I'm not singling out Mike McCarthy or Dan Quinn I'm just saying that maybe they're not I remember Jerry Jones went to Bill Parcells I mean I, I, I and I know that's been out there but I could see if they fall short again miserable I could see a deal you know, Jerry will tell you deal with the devil, bring in Bill Belichick for two years, say, get me that Super Bowl, you can have whatever you want, because the <laughs> clock is ticking. I mean, we're all getting a little older here. You know, I mean, you, you know, we might have to get Jerry some synergetics to, yes. to help get him through if this team doesn't uh, doesn't turn around and win in in the postseason. I mean, he, this is a golden opportunity for them. Before they, you know, Parcells didn't have the quarterback. I mean, Dak Prescott, that's the next thing people are going to pick on. He's good enough to get them to a Super Bowl, at least win a championship game, I think. And I've been around him, and people who, defenses and other quarterbacks, 
folks who have, have said that as well. Uh, and he's finally got, you know, some pretty good coaching. Mike McCarthy's a good coach of quarterbacks and a play caller to a certain degree. The head coach thing in Dallas, you know, that's still, there's a big question mark, I well, think. Yeah, uh, you know, lame duck situation for Mike McCarthy playing for his contract. And uh, a lot of the talk has been that uh, that is hampering their efforts to bring in a defensive coordinator. You got names like Mike Zimmer, Ron Rivera, and Rex Ryan, for goodness sake, coming out of the woodwork. I, I mean, is that is there anything more cowboy than those names? <laughs> Boy, he is a hater. Boy, he's, I, I, I told uh, you, Chris. But I, here's, I'm trying to solve things, and he's digging up a lot of... Well, that's, that's well, what he does. No, but I, I would try to find it, and we just saw the move, uh, maybe, I think it was Harbaugh hiring somebody, and, we, and who else? Uh, Green Bay brought in a, from college a young defensive coordinator. I, I, I would go more... Obviously, you want him experienced enough, but he's got to know NFL person. No, but at this point, given what you what you said there, and it's a it's a good point, I, I would get that kind of guy. I, I don't know that those other guys as accomplished as they are are the right fit. And that way you got a guy, even if he's a hot property, you know, he's earning a career for himself. He might be your next head coach or at least hang around if there is a, another coaching change. When you think about hearing Rex Ryan has entered the chat, you know, Mike Zimmer, who was in Dallas for a long time, tough, hard-nosed coach, which maybe a guy like Micah Parsons needs. Why is Mike Vrabel's name not being mentioned anywhere for any of these jobs? Yeah, I don't know that he would take it, but I certainly, that's, and look, both of those guys, I mean, I, you know, Zimmer could coach defense. You know, he's been there in Dallas before, and he was a head coach. His, his, his defense is, at least until the end there, where he kind of lost touch with, with some of the players in Minnesota, were, were very good. I think that's a, that's a good example. And I, and I think he's a guy, again, uh, you know how guys are paid with the end of their contract when they're let go, and there's, so do they want to go do, it's not only lame duck situation, but what happens? with the money. What am I giving up versus sitting back and observing and going? He wants to be a head coach, Mike Vrabel, and I, I frankly thought he would get a, more of a shot than, than he did, just like Bill Belichick. I didn't think this was automatic, but I think that is a, a candidate. That's the right kind of guy who is a hard-nosed guy, who's not quite he's got that, that Patriot attitude, but we've seen those Patriot assistants not be successful as head coaches. Vrabel was probably, I guess Bill O'Brien won a playoff game in Houston, but, but he's really the only one who's remember he beat the Patriots, yeah. Brady's last game as a Patriot, so he's probably one of the more successful coaches in that regard, I think that would be the best answer for the Cowboys if they're really going to put all their chips in the middle of the table here. All right, Chris, I've got to ask you this because I saw a report about Mike Vrabel, and uh, the source was uh, that some NFL executive said, well, he's too big, he's intimidating. Do you buy that? No, 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 and I think they tried to dial it back, and this is the problem with everybody feels like social media. They, they throw something out, and they have to comment on it, and and so I don't, I don't, I do think the look of a head coach uh, is important. It's become more and more, and by the look, I mean does he does he look like a guy that can lead men? Does he look like a CEO? Does he look confident? Can he speak and handle the the, the press conference questions? You know that that type of thing. And and uh, Vrabel has got a little, he's got a little edge to him. I, I've sat in production meetings with him, did a game with him this year when he kind of knew things were going south and they wasn't happy, ownership and general manager. Uh, but he still put a great effort with, with his guys for, forward. He is a big guy. He's not really intimidating. Mean, he was intimidating as a player, uh, but he's really not as a person. If you talk to him, he can be tough. He, he can be uh, you know almost almost rude in a coaching kind of way, which I think sometimes you need. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw the source of that, had some doubts, and then the more I looked into it, uh, the more it was kind of a casual. Somebody might have said, hey, boy, he's an 
intimidating guy when you sit and talk to him, not because of his you know, size. Uh, you know, I, I, I find that hard. Believe me, if the guy could win, uh, he could be two feet tall. They would, they would, he could be from the Wizard of Oz and yes. the land of the Munchkins, so they would put him out there. The mayor of Munchkin land, if he yeah, could win. Well, uh, you know, that works as a visit with Chris Myers from Fox here on the Blitz 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. Now, you talk about sitting in production meetings. A look of a certain head coach and can they be a leader of men and then you you look down in miami what's it what's it like doing a production meeting with yeah. daniels boy he was even as a as an assistant coach you almost thought like it, it did this and i heard somebody describe him as a throwback beatnik surfer that wandered into <laughs> coaching and it's a great description he, he, if you said that to him he'd be flattered right yeah. mike mcdaniel uh he's uh you know almost you, you watch jim harbaugh kind of go off when he answers things right and thinks about things there's a little bit of that with mike but he's very profound uh, he knows offenses really well. Uh, I haven't seen enough of him connecting with players beyond his offensive staff, right? And as a head coach, you know, that's his specialty uh, with Tua and that offense in Miami. But I haven't seen enough of an overview. I mean, we've watched, you know, you watch Hard Knocks and you get a sense of things. He is very theatrical. Guys do respect him. They do respond. But in some tough, critical situations this year, I, I would have liked to have seen a little more, uh, I hate to say mature, just a little more grown up in, in that area. <laughs> Uh, that's yes. that's probably it. less beatnik, let's let, less surfer, <laughs> less surfer, more coach. But he's a very likable guy and he's very entertaining. Whether he's going to become a successful head coach, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I was buying into it. I got to say, I was a little disappointed that they. I thought they'd win the division, and you know, with Vic Fangio, I wonder what happened there. That's kind of a little dicey. And that would have been a good guy, by the way, to bring in. The Eagles snatched him up on uh, on defense as a coordinator. You know, I think it's funny and in our business, Chris. As you know, a guy like McDaniel's, he's he's good for us because he gives you a lot of fodder and, and a lot of funny stuff. And Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. I want to ask you about that because there was something that he said that I found fascinating. He said when he met his teammates, the Herberts and uh, Keenan Allen, he was starstruck. I love that human type of, uh, you know, letting loose, if you will, and admitting that. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, he, he was like that when I was around him with the 49ers. Uh, and by the way, he hit his, his whole Ted Lasso. He's using that as, <laughs> as, his, as his coaching blueprint, which we all love the show and it's entertaining. And, and I think that tells you about his human element. I was at a production meeting with, uh, with him when he was with the 49ers uh, before a game. And we're talking about, he says, uh, he, he, we, he would talk football with him. Then he'd go off and say something very human, like, boy, you know, I had a... a Hey, long wait at the checkout line today at the you know seven eleven or something. You go, oh okay. Can we get back? Tell me more about. So he uh, he mentioned something like, oh, so you live in California? I said, yeah, I I, I got. Uh, and he said somehow it came up where he was uh, a fan of Tom Selleck. I don't know how he kind of said that. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I ran into him. I said he's a neighbor that lives not a couple of streets over. Uh, you know, uh, his sister lives there, and he's got a big ranch. I don't live in that fancy neighborhood. But he said, and then he, he was like, well, hey, and then we're doing the football, and then he says, hey, do you think you could get me Selleck's autograph? Because, because let me tell you, because I, I I was a big fan of uh, James Garner, and I got a picture of him as uh, what was the show he was on that was uh he was the actor. Oh, Selleck, uh, uh, no, no uh, James Garner. Oh, James though. Garner, yeah, uh, the Rockford. Rockford. Files. No, there you yeah. go. Yeah, so yeah. he runs it. Yeah, the old a, guy would yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know that. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, no, and I, he was in the Great Escape. Garner was so great, but he runs it. He gets a picture of a James Garner thing that autographed. He was a Raider fan that, and 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 Harbaugh was just so excited. But it shows you that that kind of human element. So it's not surprising to me that he said something. Hey, he. Would 
was in awe. He really does appreciate great football talent, just like his brother, that football family. But he's a unique guy. I, I, I think it's interesting. And he got, he got out of college football just in time. He's yes. probably the best, when you talk about the best situation in terms of, because he has the quarterback, right, of all the new head coaches that's already a star that they've kind of fouled up because of their coaching there and, and uh, with the, the Chargers in the Los Angeles. Visiting with Tom Selleck's neighbor, sort of. <laughs> Chris Myers appears on at the Blitz. I ran into him. We were pick- my kids were picking out pumpkins one time, or you know, something. He came over there with his so family. So did he come good. up to you and say, "Are you Chris Myers?" No, no, he didn't know. What's it like to be on the sideline at the Super Bowl? He did know who I was, though, which I was kind of flattered about. You know, is uh, yeah, everybody knows who you well, are. And then, and then you start a, talking, everybody recognizes he, that. Voice. He's a big sports fan, Tom Selleck. So that so is, that play is, baseball, as you know. Uh, yeah, that yeah. is awesome. What are your thoughts on uh, Sunday's game? Well, I'm leaning 49ers, uh, and I don't think anybody should be favored. This is a coin toss game. I do think, and I was on the sideline when the Chiefs won the game, their first Super Bowl with Andy Reid and Mahomes. They trailed halftime, 49ers, they come back, and then did the postgame interview. So I saw how they operated and how they adjusted. This team is more about defense. Of course, Mahomes is the best quarterback right now that's out there. Their defense is very adjustable. It's malleable. They'll shape it to whatever they need. Could give Brock Purdy some problems, but I think this 49er offense is better than the one that was in the Super Bowl uh, the last time around with McCaffrey, and obviously Purdy, uh, maybe just he's, he's fit better than, than Garoppolo. They don't have to work around him, and uh, I think the 49er defense is good enough, even though they've been run on a little bit. That's the thing to watch, Pacheco running against the 49ers uh, because the last two playoff games, teams have run on him, but I'm leaning towards the uh, 49ers. And of course, with a game like this, it's about knowing your numbers, and you know, Synergenics is one about for you personally knowing your numbers. Well, he segues because he cares. That's, yes, a, that's of course. what you do. Yes. yes. Well, I would just say, and you mentioned it as we came into the segment, uh, Synergenics, and think of it uh, with low T, and it's more about energy than it is worrying about numbers. And, and they mentioned it. Uh, just go to my uh, fixmylowt.com, fixmylowt.com, and Synergenics, they will check your testosterone. Once you get over 30, muscle mass, energy, things kind of go down a little, even if you try to do all the other things. In a quick check, within 20 minutes or so, they'll let you know what you need to do. Uh, it's covered by most uh, health providers, uh, insurance, and it is medically monitored to go through that. So if you have a lack of energy, whether it's your drive or you have battling a little depression, a little wear and tear, also even if you're feeling okay, if you're in that range and the muscle mass is going to decrease, it's a little bit of a preventive uh, type of thing to do that I think, and, and for women too at a certain age, but for men, once you get into your 30s, go to FixMyLowT.com. Just get checked out on that. Synergenics is a name that you should be familiar with. FixMyLowT.com is the website. Chris Myers joining us here on the Blitz. Always fun catching up with you, man. Yeah, thanks. Great conversation. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Uh, good, good luck to those Cowboys, by Thanks. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, a former it. Cowboy, a current Fox <laughs> broadcaster, the Moose, Daryl Johnston, joins us next here on the Blitz on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It's the Blitz with Jason and Joe, live from Radio Row for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. Welcome back to the Blitz here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. He's Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Minix. Our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage continues from Las Vegas. Brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. And always fun catching up with an old friend. Yeah. Daryl Johnston, the Moose, Cowboys Super Bowl champion, former GM of the Commanders. Now you're running the UFL. At least we have spring football in San Antonio. Exactly, exactly. It, it, there's a number of voices in my life, and yours is one of the more distinctive ones. Every time I hear it, it's like... <laughs> I think San Antonio right away. So. Is that a good thing or a it's bad a thing? thing? Okay, it's a great good. thing. It's a great thing. I know. I, I am. I am so happy. 
to be back into San Antonio with something that we are doing. Uh, I was envious of the XFL having San Antonio. Uh, so the fact that the merger has come together and San Antonio is going to be a part of the UFL family, for me, means more than a lot of the other markets. Birmingham has become special to me the same way that San Antonio was special to me in the Alliance of American Football. So I am over the moon to be working again with San Antonio. Daryl, what was the uh, decision-making process in having the two leagues merge together the way you did? I, I think the big thing was for, for for spring football to be sustainable, we had to come together. We couldn't stand toe-to-toe and, and, and fight each other. One of us was going to lose. It didn't make sense to do that. Why not come together? And then the question was, how do we come together? And that, that's been the hard part because we have great people that are a part of the UFL, but we lost a lot of great people that are not a part of the UFL. And that's players that are trying to find a way back into the league, uh, coaches that are no longer a part of the teams that are a part of the new league, um, athletic training, strength and performance, video, marketing, sales. I mean, it's just it's across the board, and that's the one big thing I've learned here. I'm always football, but when you get into it, how many different components really kind of make up what football is and how many great people there are that support you. I, I told the Dallas Cowboys this. I said, you used to travel? And I was like, well, it, you know, everything's taken care of. This is amazing. What goes on behind that curtain? To make sure that everything is smooth is unbelievable. And so I have a newfound respect for everybody that supports what we did as players and a team when we traveled, when we went to the stadium. It, it, it's a million moving parts. Well, and I, I can also see with the leagues coming together. I know going back to when we were working together with the Alliance and people would talk about quarterback play. So, well, yeah, but look at the line play. It's hard finding offensive linemen. It kind of starts there. So with the two leagues coming together as one, the talent pool is going to be far better, which should create more quality football. Absolutely. absolutely. Instead of having 800 players in two different leagues, we've got 400 players. And then the mechanisms we put in place to get that dispersal out to allow our teams that survived the merger to go back to the teams that didn't and, and give those players another opportunity initially it was the usfl pulling from the usfl franchises onto their roster and the xfl doing the same thing the second component had us actually crossing over if we wanted to or just coming in and supplementary picking up a few more after you had a time to evaluate for a little bit uh, a little bit longer so we had a couple of teams that crossed over. Uh, Memphis Memphis was probably the most aggressive team on our side, and uh, I would say D.C. was probably the most aggressive team on the XFL side. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out for everybody. Are there any conversations at all uh, with the NFL and, and partnering in some former fashion with those guys well they worked with both of us last season you know they, they they had to support both of us and what we were doing and when we talk about player safety and rules and some of the technology that's there you know they were working with both leagues um, I, I think now that there's only one league they can commit more into doing uh, a, a digger a, a deeper dive into some of the things that they want to look at um you know, we are going to be the usfl kickoff it's just it's, it's something that we drew a line in the sand on um i I respected the, the the kickoff that we did in the XFL in 2020, but I'm more traditional. I want to see movement at the kick. I, I didn't like the stationary component. I understood it for player safety. Uh, there's talk about the NFL really wanting to just get rid of the kickoff. Uh, we still feel that it's a position of value. Cavante Turpin has taken an opportunity as a kick returner and taken that to the NFL and become a part of the Dallas Cowboy offense, not just special teams, but offense. And that door was open through the ability to return kicks. The NFL has a special has a Pro Bowl position. 
as a kickoff returner. If we're getting rid of kickoffs, we need to get rid of the kickoff returner or change it to a punt returner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we just feel that it's a value position. When I grew up watching football and Billy White Shoes Johnson and all the great returners that were in the league at that time, it's one of the more exciting plays of the game. And it's a play that can flip the entire game when you talk about momentum. So it was something that, that, that we're really adamant about. Um, and I know it's a big thing that the NFL wants to look at, so we'll, we'll see what they think about that. But I think they're going to have their eyes on not only our rules and some of the things we do special teams-wise, but the technology. Um, you know, what happened at the University of Michigan um, when they violated the rules you know, I think everybody's going to look at that at the collegiate level of how do we share film better, make sure that we don't have people that are attending games, you know, scouting in, in real time. Um, the NCAA allowed video on the sidelines at their bowl games this year, which is something that was exclusive in the spring leagues. And for us in the USFL through DV Sport, it was wireless. And some of the greatest moments that we had last year when you talk about TV production is Brock Heward talking with Skip Holtz and Alex Magoo as they're watching video on the sideline and dissecting a play and anticipating what the adjustment's going to be in the second half. So we're bringing technology onto the field that the NFL should already have but has been hesitant to embrace. So hopefully we we answer all the questions that they have there. The Moose, Daryl Johnston, joining us here on the Blitz, three-time Super Bowl champ with the Dallas Cowboys, the UFL head of football operations. That means you're the boss. You make the ultimate decision. When you guys get in a room and figure out what we're going to do, what we're not, it's your call. It's my call, but I lean on everybody that's in that room with me. Um, I I don't have all the answers, uh, and I've got a ton of experience around me. Um, you know, Jim Pop is a guy that I've met uh, during my time at the USFL. Jim Pop was a general manager in the CFL when he was 26. He's won five great cups. Uh, why he was never a GM in the NFL, I don't know. Uh, Doug Whaley was, uh, you know, a longtime executive in the NFL, uh, you know, general manager with the Buffalo Bills. Um, you know, Russ Giulio is a guy that worked with us in the Alliance, worked with him in the XFL in 2020. Um, you know, he was at, at Park Avenue for a number of years. Uh, he's, he's worked in officiating and data and analytics. Um, you know, we've got great football minds. I got Russ Brandon. Russ Brandon was team president of the Bills for a number of years. Um, not only ran the Bills, but also ran the Sabres for a while. So, he, you know, he's got the business acumen, you know, above everything else. So when we sit in a room and we have to make a decision, you know, we, we get some tremendous input. So it's easy for us to come to a consensus, and, and there's only been a few occasions where we, we really felt like we weren't you know, all on the same page, um, and, and those have been few and far between. So I, I think we all see it the same way. Uh, we want to do it the same way, and, and this is our one chance to really put this league on a strong foundation because we all do believe this league is going to be around for a long time. All right, Daryl, we introduce you as Super Bowl champion. It's been a long time since the Dallas yeah. Cowboys are able to say that. What What do you think about the current state of the team? They had a lot of talent this year. It just didn't come together. It, is there a quick fix? Do you have any answers for that? Yeah, a lot of times the most talented team isn't the best team. Um, you know, we see that a lot of times. There's a lot of intangibles that, that create that opportunity to win a Super Bowl. That's why it's so important when you have that opportunity, you got to cash in on it. Because it may not ever come back. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl his, his rookie year and never went back again. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's important to maximize that. And, and I, I think one of the things is you'll hear Jalen Hurts say it a lot. Keep the main thing the main thing. Does Dallas know what the main thing is? The organization. Is it football? Is it the brand? What is the main thing? What are we trying to keep the main thing the main thing? Um, when we were there, the main thing was football. And everybody knew the main thing was football. And 
Yeah, one of the things that I've shared with a lot of people here today on Radio Row is when I watched the Dallas Green Bay game and I saw Jair Alexander shove CeeDee Lamb and him not respond, I knew that they were not in the right frame of mind to have success that day. Because can you imagine anybody shoving Michael Irvin no, oh, no, no. in the divisional round and something not <laughs> happening? Um, when we walked onto the field in our first NFC Championship game in San Francisco, our secondary was in an all-out war with the wide receivers of the San Francisco 49ers. That was pregame. That was the emotion that that group brought. They were uber-talented, but they were also competitive as any group I've ever been part of. How does and that's what I think is missing from not just Dallas. I think that attitude as the league struggles with the individual branding component created by social media and all these platforms that these guys can get on, how do you keep the main thing the main thing? How does a team as a, as a whole, because I was at that game uh, in the stadium against Green Bay, everybody was flat. It, the offense wasn't very good. The defense wasn't very good. Green Bay took the crowd out of it early. I know it was cold outside, but they're playing indoors. But how does an entire football team in a playoff game come out flat? I don't know. I don't know. We, we had those games, even with our great teams, but they weren't in the playoffs. We were 8-1, and one, and we got beat at home by the 2-7 and seven Los Angeles Rams. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how we played that poorly. We went out to the championship game in San Francisco after winning back-to-back Super Bowls and played the worst six minutes of football to open that game that that group ever played. The remaining 54 was pretty good, but the first six put us behind by 21 points, and we just couldn't get out of that hole. But they were not good the entire game. They were very inconsistent the entire game. They never got into a rhythm the entire game. And that was the biggest mystery for me. You know, Darrell, when you bring that up, and I think it's interesting, and everybody wants to blame Mike McCarthy for that, for not having his team ready to play. But as a professional football player, isn't a lot of that responsibility on you? Yeah, I, I you know, I... I wanted Mike McCarthy fired too. I mean, he missed he missed so many tackles. Uh, he had several fumbles. He had a number of drops. Uh, he threw a couple interceptions. I, I know he missed at least four assignments. I mean, it was like really Coach McCarthy's fault. Um, I, I, your best players have to play their best football in the biggest moments, and Dallas's best players did not play their best football in the biggest moment. Dak, CD, Micah. You can go down the list. All the guys that this franchise is known about did not play their best football that day. And and I think the emphasis and the spotlight got put onto the offense. The defense did not support. They didn't have one sack against Green Bay that day. Uh, the defense was awful. I know Dak gets a lot of blame, and he wasn't great in that first half, but that defense was awful. But going back to what you said a minute ago as we visit with Daryl Johnston here on the Blitz, it, it was about winning. It was about you understood the mission. It was about football when you were a part of those championship Cowboy teams with Jimmy Johnson. Dak Prescott in his contract situation. Will Jerry Jones and the Cowboys make a winning decision or a business decision? you got to find out what the difference in those two is. What What is the winning decision? Um, Dak has had his opportunities to step through the moment and become the Troy Aikman or the Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys franchise. Tony Romo had a number of opportunities to do that. They were the number one team going into the playoffs on a number of occasions and got beat. Tony Romo had opportunities to step into the Troy Aikman or the Roger Staubach status for the Dallas Cowboys and never did. Um, 
I really thought Dak was going to do it last year in San Francisco. After the way they played against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in the first round of the playoffs, it's 17-9. to He's going to take them down the field. They're going to go for two and make it. They're going to go to overtime. They're going to find a way to win this. And that's going to shoot Dak Prescott on the trajectory to be this generation's Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach for this franchise. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen again this year. So if keeping the main thing, the main thing is about winning championship football, then they have a hard decision to make. Well, yeah, I find that interesting because obviously salary cap's a, a, a big part of the NFL. Cowboys would take a big hit. I mean, it, the fact that they don't have a plan B, Daryl, is that is that a problem? Is that a Jerry Jones problem? I think you always have to have a plan B when you talk about the quarterback position because it's such an important position. You, you don't want to be there before you have to, but hopefully you've got something that you just haven't shared publicly. We know what we want to do if we can't do this, but you've got to make a decision because they have Micah Parsons coming up. They have some big contracts coming up. And let me tell you, you, you load up your salary cap into four or five positions, you will not be a great team because you just, you're just you not going to be able to find that. As good as Will McClay has been with the draft the last few years, that that's going to be key to keep those guys on their rookie contracts. But when you consolidate your cap into four, five, six players and expect to be able to pick up the slack on bargain deals and free agency and rookie players, you're not setting your team up for success. The Moose, Daryl Johnston here on the Blitz. He'll be back in San Antonio for a San Antonio Brahma's kickoff event on Sunday, February 18th with, with Wade Phillips. You, I'm, I'm going to host that thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, awesome. it's great having you back uh, doing football things in San Antonio, my friend. Looking forward to it. Appreciate it. The Moose, Daryl Johnston, he joined us on Radio Row, and it's a car wash. We switch one out and switch in another. Laura Oakham, who's going to be on the sidelines for the Super Bowl. Westwood won a game you can listen to here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star, brought to you by Flight by Yingling. Laura, you know, it's hard because you see all everybody that you know so well, but you're busy, and it's like, I'll catch up to you later. Totally, totally. Totally catch up to you later. I, I was very happy to be in the middle of my interviews and what I was doing this morning and all of a sudden have somebody tap me while I was listening to an interview and kind of turned around to be like what, what are you doing? I'm in the middle and it was Daryl and I was like Moose can interrupt <laughs> anything he wants but I was so happy. I loved hearing that conversation and I can't stress this enough. I was so fortunate to be partners with Moose for either four or five years with the NFL on Fox and it was I was with I was with Daryl and I was with Kenny Albert and he is my fullback in life. Like, I can't stress this enough to you all that there was a season, I had a really tough season and a lot going on, and I didn't say anything all season, and I privately, quietly struggled. And at the end of the year, I called Daryl, and I was like, I need to talk to you. And so I just said, here's what I was going through all season. And there's silence, and he was like, I'm so sorry. And I said, what are you sorry about? You were one of my best things about the season. And he said, I should have seen that. I should have seen that you were upset. I should have seen you were struggling. And I was like, I, I hit it. I wasn't showing it to anyone. And he said, I pride myself on being able to read you. And so truly this man is a fullback in life of looking out for like what, trying to open your holes to make your life easier and better. So I could not think of a better person than Moose that I followed. You know, Laura, that's a great story, and I love that. But, look, I mean, you're a pro. This is going to be your fifth Super Bowl, right, for Westwood One. Uh, you, you know what you're doing, and you bring it every time. But I think as broadcasters, we do that. So we're harder on ourselves yeah, totally. than anybody else is. And I've had more of those conversations, well, every year, Super Bowl week and Radio Row. I have an organization for women in sports. It's called Galvanize, and I'm here with them also this week. And what the whole motto of Galvanize is, 
is, is your who, not your do. We don't care about what you do. We care about who you are. And so if you go over and sit down over at our, uh, at our little podium of seven rock star women, we are only talking about who you are. And what amazes me is how many former athletes come over and sit down with us and talk about how in their head they are as broadcasters. So it's, it does not matter if you're a Hall of Famer, but all of a sudden you sit down in this new world and you're trying to, you know, to all of a sudden, it's not about just your physicality. It's not about what you've been doing since you're a kid. It's about us being afraid of saying the wrong thing, no matter how long you've been yep. doing it. So I find with our group of broadcasters, if you're players or if you're, you know, if you're players, if you've been a broadcaster your whole life, whatever it is, there's such an insecurity more than ever <laughs> about making sure we get it right. Well, I mean, because you never know if you get a new boss who doesn't like you. Uh, now you're done. Uh, you say something wrong. Uh, a suggestion here in today's world, especially with social media, yeah. that, you know, how often do you say something and you're trying to put those words right back in your mouth as, <laughs> as soon as you say them? And it's as a woman in sports. So I started about 32 years ago, so there weren't many of us. And the fear of saying something wrong, because how I always equate it is, if no matter, I've been doing it three decades. But if I say the wrong thing on the Super Bowl, if I call, if I call George Kittle, George Edwards, she is so stupid. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Now a man says something stupid, but we are stupid, and so I learned that at a very quick age of making sure that you say the right thing or else you're kind of thrown out where that's another woman who knows sports. And that's paralyzing to go through life, not just a career, it creeps into your life of how do I make sure I'm always saying the right thing so nobody thinks I don't, I, I don't belong here because you're constantly being told you don't belong here. You know, Laura, I find that fascinating. How difficult was it to break into this business 30 years ago? It, it, it was really As difficult. a woman. As a woman. Yeah. For, any, for, for all anybody, of us, right? Sure, of course. It, but for a woman, it was very, but what I would say is this, it was so difficult to break in, but what was harder was staying in. And so, you know, to be doing this as long as I have been, uh, I don't, I, I would, that would have surprised me because once I hit 30, I was always asked, what do you want to do next? And I was like, but I'm just getting good. <laughs> and they'd be like, but women don't age on camera. And I never saw women past 30. And so what I try really hard to do is show all the women, you know, of, of Galvanize, of all these women, want them to see women north of 40. Now I want them to see women north of 50 crushing it and so still doing what we're doing because we see men age we see men in the booth who are in their 70s now in their 80s and we are never quite well some the way the world is we're always questioning now <laughs> but normally that we're like boy look at their poise they've been doing this forever you know and for women it's been more of how long how long can she do this for and so it was it was very hard to stay in i feel uh, to get in i feel very sorry for that young woman who went through a lot but it's also been really hard to stay here. And I didn't call my first Super Bowl until I think I was 50. And so that's pretty awesome also to say that I thought that was kind of done. And I didn't think I would have that in my career. And to be able to do it at an age where I'm so appreciative, where I'm so much better, where I'm really good now. And I know the work that it took here as much as when I was 30 or 40, I would have been like, I can't wait to call a Super Bowl. I love to be doing it at this age. Well, I did not know we were going to be talking about aging as a woman. No, I mean, but, but out of curiosity, as we visit with Laura Oakham here uh, on the Blitz, I mean, Joe's got five daughters. I've got one. I'm, I'm a gir girl dad, right? Oh, that, yeah. That's why it, we're having this conversation. Well, exactly, yes, right? Yes. How much 
better has it gotten over the last 30 years for women in sports broadcasting? I struggle with this because today is Girls and Women in Sports Day, and so I'm usually asked a lot to do interviews because of Galvanize. It's, I started it a dozen years ago, and it's over 5,000 women all over sports. It's not just women on camera. It's everything. And so I'm asked a lot about that, and I think people think I'm going to give a Pollyanna rah-rah you know, answer, and I don't because what I say is the cool thing is my first Super Bowl was in 92. I called two Olympics. I've done a lot of really big events, but in the beginning I would count women because I could. And so I'd be like, okay, for years it was one hand. I could count them on one hand. And then suddenly it was two hands. And the cool thing is we can't count today. You know, there's a ton of women, and that's awesome in numbers. But when we start going women who are making an impact, women who are hiring women and men, women who are making decisions, I'm back to counting that on one hand. So we've come far in numbers, but also what I would say as fathers of daughters that you'll, you'll hate this, but it's important to know. The most important thing I say is if we've changed so much, why are these young women calling me at 3 in the morning and telling me they're going through the same thing I went through 30 years ago? And so that is kind of in a nutshell what I would say and why Galvanize was so important. They'll get better at their jobs and, you know, and they, they'll get their reps. But at the end of the day, I struggled. I, I had a hard time navigating it. And I wanted to make sure that they had confidence in themselves in each other and to give them a network of women to go through this with a mentor is important but even more so i wanted them to be able to look at another woman and go how are you handling this how are you handling it when a coach says i've really enjoyed you know you building this relationship for two years but why don't why don't i take you to lunch so we can get to know each other better and there's no right or wrong it's just how are you going to handle that when it happens and you can't usually ask your male friends or even your girlfriends, um, how you do it. So, so what I would say, it hasn't changed enough because we still need that network to really help women navigate a very male-dominated industry. Laura Oakham here on The Blitz, 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. She'll be part of the broadcast Sunday uh, for, for the Super Bowl. I know we're running short on time. They're saying you, you got, got to run <laughs> off to, to the, to the next one. I mean, you, you, you've got that. You, you've got it. It's going to be fun. Have a, have a great call on Sunday. Oh, I so a, appreciate enjoy. the conversation. Thank you for raising good young women, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Laura. You Laura Okobet here on the Blitz 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. Joe Reinagle. That's the third time in seven seasons. The San Antonio Spurs are the NBA champions. Jason Minutes. They go back to big day as Super Bowl champions. Dallas 52, Buffalo 17. It's the Blitz on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It is the Blitz here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. He's Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Menix. Live in Las Vegas for our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. Run a little late, but man, that was cool talking with Laura Oakham. Not what I expected to talk to her about, but that was a cool conversation. You know, it was because we uh, we went in a completely different, you know, and they're talking about on the, the call of the Super Bowl, the teams, all of that kind of stuff. 
and it got into uh, women in sports and uh, a fascinating conversation. And I tell you what, Laura Oakham has been uh, one of the best, uh, man or woman, uh, in this profession for a long time. Well, and you think about uh, the length that she's been able to do it, at the high level that she's been able to do it, and now helping so many others uh, is incredible. And her program, Galvanized, isn't just for women in sports. It's more about confidence. And, you know, as, as, as a girl dad, you know, and any girl dad knows this, that's, that's, that's obviously something that I think every girl at some point in their life, no matter where they are, they, they deal with that. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, and, and in some professions, it's much harder uh, for a woman to succeed than others. And, and this has typically been one of them. And, and she explained all the reasons why. I thought she was fascinating and uh, a great conversation with Laura Oakham. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I, out of curiosity, we're in Vegas. We've got a lot going on. Ed McCaffrey is going to join us here in about five minutes. Um, you know, his kid's playing in the game today. Although yeah, he is. Yeah, who's his kid? Christian. Christian something. You know, he's also got yeah. a kid that just went to Rice in the Senior Bowl. We yeah. talked about yeah. that. You know, uh, yeah, Ed McCaffrey, three-time Super Bowl champion, will join us. But as I, I look around the convention center, Rob Thompson left a little while ago. I'm not sure where he went. Haven't seen him. I assumed he was going to take a nap. Yeah. But then I see all this breaking news out of Las Vegas. <laughs> now, we're stuck in a convention center, but apparently traffic just sucks outside in Las Vegas, down the Strip, because they've had to close the highway because somebody has figured out how to climb up on top of the sphere. Dude, I'm going to tell you what. I don't know what that dude's issue is, but he's a hell of a climber. Dude, uh, how mean, in the world do you get up on top of that sphere? Uh, I, there's a way. I mean, I'm guessing there's a way. But, but at the same time, that closes down traffic. What I'm curious, though, is I've been in the sphere for a U2 concert. You could see it from everywhere. Yeah. How did they notice a little man up there that was real and that wasn't a part of the show? Well, I, who knows? I mean, but this guy is uh, clearly very talented when it comes to climbing things. Uh, and that sphere, if you haven't seen it, is, is pretty amazing because it's... Uh, it was in the shape of a Super Bowl ring last night. It's well, been yeah. in the shape of other things. Well, I mean, the pictures, shape doesn't change. But not yeah, the shape, the, but the, the picture. Yeah. And so it, it's fantastic. Look, I just hope the dude gets down before we have to leave because I'd really like for traffic to be cleared up by then. I, I'm, I'm with you yeah. there. But the fact that that has happened, and it's only Wednesday. I know. It, it's only Wednesday. It's going to get nuts but out here. But I cannot confirm or deny whether it's Rob Thompson on a sphere or Rob Thompson's taking a nap. Dude, I know it's not Rob Thompson on the sphere, okay? That I can rule out completely. You don't think Rob, Rob is nimble take... enough to climb up no, there? No, he couldn't take the first step to getting on that sphere. Well, so I don't think there's any issue that Rob is not on the sphere. Unless it's happened since we left the house this morning. Rob has survived three days in the house without hurting himself. Well, he really has, but don't jinx him. Because there's a lot of steps and a lot of stairs and a lot of things that he can trip over so or bang his toes into. Ed McCaffrey joins us <laughs> next here on The Blitz in Las Vegas for our Radio Row coverage. Super Bowl 58 in Vegas is set. It's the Chiefs and Niners. Hear it right here on your exclusive home for the Super Bowl. 94-1 San Antonio's Sports Star. 
Welcome back to the Blitz here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star along with Joe Reinagel. I'm Jason Minix. Our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Road coverage continues. Brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. Great to be joined by three-time Super Bowl champion Ed McCaffrey. Uh, and Ed, three-time Super Bowl champion Radio Rose, it would always be about you. But your kid's in this game, and I imagine you're spending a lot more time talking about your son. Yeah, this week's a little different. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time talking about my son. He's been in the league for a while. But, uh, but um, no, this, well, I was talking about the one at Rice, man. He's oh, been yeah. a No, I'm kidding. He, well, he had the Senior Bowl last yeah. week. I've been talking about him as well. <laughs> and Christian's been talking about him. It'd be pretty cool if those guys ended up playing together one day. But he's going through his journey. Last week, you know, I have four boys. Lisa and I have four boys. Last week was about Luke. And this week's about Christian. So uh, they're all coming out on Saturday to support him. And rarely... Do we get all of our kids together? I mean, four boys, it hardly ever happens. They all play football their whole life, and we're finally going to get them all together. So any holiday cards for the next four or five <laughs> years will probably come from this weekend. You know, when you talk about your sons playing football, was that something that they just wanted to do? Did you push them towards that? What? How, how did that yeah, all work that's out? That's a great question because uh, I think a lot of people think, hey, you played football, you obviously wanted your yeah. kids to play football. And I know that's the case sometimes. I had teammates who didn't want their kids to play ever. They're like, no, I don't want them doing what I had to do. And we were indifferent. We're like, look, we want them to do what they want to do. I think kids chase their dreams and they chase their passions. And if they don't want to do something, we learned this when we sign them up for piano lessons. If they don't want to do something, they're not going to do it. <laughs> so uh, so we, we waited for them to ask. And our oldest son, Max, who's now coaching with the Dolphins, um, asked when he was nine years old. And, uh, and he was the first one to ask. And they start at six in Colorado. So he you know, it was three years after a lot of kids had already started playing. We're like, you know, we're not going to say no if he wants to do it. Give it a shot. Maybe he'll keep playing. Maybe he won't. Who knows? But, you know, I, I love football, so I was happy he wanted to play. And as soon as Christian saw that Max signed up, he wanted to sign up. He watched one practice, and he was just chomping at the bit on the sideline. He's like, can I play? Can I play? He wanted to run out and practice with Max's team. who was two years older than he was. So when Max started playing, Christian asked, and he started playing at 7, and then the other two started at 6. And, you know, what are the odds all four boys end up playing football? Yeah. We, we thought for sure some of them would want to do different things. Our only rule was you're not going to sit around all day playing video games, although now they probably would be more financially successful if they did. <laughs> but, but we're like, uh, hey, you got to do something. We don't care what it is. You know, sign up for some kind, you know, sign up for the chess club or you know, get a job or do you know some charitable work. But whatever you do, you're not going to come home and sit around. So whatever it is you want to do, feel free to go do it. And they played football and basketball and baseball and ran track and played lacrosse. And uh, some of them did get jobs when there was downtime and did some other things. We just wanted them to stay active. Well, nice. I imagine uh, Kirsten's got a pretty good job right now. And so successful at it as we visit with Ed McCaffrey here on the Blitz. What makes Kirsten such a special running back? I mean, he is just so different than so many others that are playing in the league right now well i think it's a it's a combination of things i mean physically you got to have the size the speed the strength the quickness i think one thing that separates a lot of running backs is vision i think christian has really good vision and then you know the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield can separate him so he runs between the tackles runs outside he's really good in pass protection and backs don't get a lot of credit for pass protection but it's a pretty big part of the game if you play running back and then uh you know he's really a receiver uh, when he lines up in the slot, and so you know, there's you can throw screen passes to running backs, and you can have check downs or you know flat routes, or certain you know, Texas route. There's certain routes that all running backs will run. Not many can line up at the slot and actually run like a double move 
or a route like a receiver. Very few running backs in this league can do that. And I think that's going to be the trend moving forward. You know, back in the day, you got your thumper first and second down. You bring in your third down back. But there's an advantage to leaving one back on the field the whole time, right, because you stay in your base personnel. They don't know if it's a run or a pass. They're leaving their linebacker in safety, and they're not bringing in nickel defense to cover a receiver. Then you can create mismatches. And this game is all about mismatches. So he's one of the handful of backs in this league that is even able to do that. And he's, I think he's proven that, and I think that's pretty pretty valuable. And it, it ends up being like a force multiplier. So when you have a good run game like San Francisco has, but now also if you're going to throw a pass, you have a, an extra receiver in the backfield that we're not accounting for because we didn't switch to our nickel defense. Um, and you want to bracket him because you don't want to guard him one-on-one. Well, you got your tight end and George Kittle. You got your receiver and Debo and Brandon Ayuk. You got a fullback you can slip out because they play a lot of 21 personnel. Now it's just kind of a real challenge for defenses. Ed, was there a point in time when Christian was growing up that you that you knew, oh, man, he's special? Well, you know, it sounds funny, but when he was seven, you know, we signed him up for his first team, and he was scoring, you know, five, six, seven touchdowns a game. And you're like, I don't know what he's going to grow up into because he's seven, right? <laughs> but he's really good for this age in, in Colorado. Um, and, you know, you think that if, if he progresses – because um, you still have to grow up, right? You, how, yeah. how tall are you going to be? How much are you going to weigh? How strong are you? You don't know at seven. So you kind of have to wait till they grow up. But he certainly was very gifted and showed that early. And then he just kind of kept progressing as he got older and older. And that skill level kind of stayed the same relative to the other players. But we're in Colorado. We're in Castle Rock, Colorado. You know, what's going on in Houston, right? Or Dallas or... Uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, you're out in L.A. Like, there's great uh, – Florida, right? There's great players everywhere, and you just never really know. But he certainly showed some promise early. Ed McCaffrey joining us here on the Blitz, courtesy of Low T Center, LowTCenter.com. You talk about at seven how good he was. And obviously at that point he's playing, and he's Ed McCaffrey's kid, so expectations are he needs to be good. But I saw a video that he put out the other day where I guess he was going on some college recruiting visits, and you put weights in his socks <laughs> um, so that when it came time, if they, if they put me on a scale but made me take my shoes off, uh, at least I'd still be in my socks because he needed those extra 10, 15 pounds. Yeah, well, I, that's a trick I learned from the Denver Broncos linemen who used to slip a five-pound plate in the back of their tights because we had weight limits and we had the lighter linemen who tried to stay over 300 pounds. And so if they were having a light week, they'd try to slip a plate in there. But, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's not everything. And, by the way, they make you take your shoes off. You don't get away with that particular trick. The other trick I would have is say, look, you got to down like eight chocolate milks before because they're going to weigh you right when you get there, first thing in the morning. Because they haven't seen you in person, and nobody believes any weights or heights that are online, right? Sure. We're not, we're, we'll believe when we measure you. That's what we'll believe. And so, you know, he was on the lighter side. I'm like, I, I know you're going to grow. All our kids were a year to a year and a half young for their grade. And I'm like, look, these some people just want to see a weight. And some people that don't know football well enough are going to judge you by your weight, even though today they don't do that as much. So just, you know, be as heavy as you can in the morning and then go to the bathroom and you'll be, you'll be good to go. So add, 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 a, add a couple of pounds. But that stuff used to matter. Like, why? if it didn't matter, why would you know, you go to the combine, right? They measure your height. They measure your weight. They measure your wings. They measure every part of your body practically, right? And they're like, hey, we want to know what we're investing. You're like a piece of cattle. So we want to know what we're investing in. 
And so it's the same when you're visiting out of high school, going to colleges. It's like, hey, who are we giving the scholarship to? We'll probably bring in one or two guys. That's it at your position. We want to bring in the right guy. So you want to you want to you know look good. You know, Ed, when when you look at it, and obviously three Super Bowls for you. It, it, do you? Christian ask you questions like, you know, I think when guys get to the Super Bowl, they think that that's going to happen all the time. And, and you know, a lot of guys go to the Super Bowl once and then never get back there. Um, do you tell them how hard it is? And obviously he probably knows, but, I mean, it's a very difficult thing to get to. Uh, it's extremely difficult, and I think Christian understands that. Um, and he certainly learned it because he didn't get there for his first, first yeah. few years in the NFL, right? But... He also has been part of a championship team everywhere he's gone for his whole life. So he's kind of expects to be in championship games. And I think that's important. I think most great athletes expect to to be the best, expect to win the battle in front of them, and expect to play in championship games. So, like, every year he ever played in Little League, he was in a championship. Every year in high school they won a championship. They won the Pac-12 championship. And he got to the NFL, and he's... You know, football's a team sport. You can't will your way to a championship as an individual. You've got to be on the right team, right? And that's why for so many of these players, what team signs you out of college matters. I, mean, I tell players all the time, it's more important what team you go to than where you go in the draft. Um, but he, I think, you know, if he was honest, he'd say, I've always expected to play in a Super Bowl. Interesting. Yeah. Is he going to win Super Bowl MVP on Sunday? Look, we just hope the team wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Dad. <laughs> no, and, and that's the thing about this game. It's such a great game, right? And But the other thing about offense, if a team wants to limit you or try to take you away, they can dedicate a lot of resources towards doing that. And now it's time for somebody else to step up. So if they try to take away George and B.A. and Debo, and, and then you know Christian's going to have to step up and make plays. If they try to take away Christian, those guys have to step up and make plays. And obviously, Brock is—he's uh, in control of everything. So, you know, off, and then your defense, right? I mean, your defense has—you could score a bunch of points and lose a ball game, right? So, uh, it's the greatest team. It really is. It's the greatest team sport in the world. I'm going to be just dialed in every single play, offense, defense, special teams. It all matters. It all—and that's why it's so hard to do. To your point, right? It's like you—you can, you can be a great player, and Dan Marino's the guy we usually mm-hmm. refer to, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game was way ahead of his time as a passer. Now, I can imagine what he would do in today's game, yeah. right, with how much we pass the ball. And uh, But, you know, he got there early and never got there again. So it takes a team to win. The best team will win. Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of credit, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But he can't will himself by himself to win either. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take one of these teams to play the best ball, and that's every individual winning the individual battles. The team with the most individuals that win the most individual battles wins the game. How nervous are you going to be on Sunday? Yeah, I'd like to say not nervous, but, it's, you know, dude, it's impo- And there's a good energy, too, right? There's a good nervousness. It's like when you're a player and you feel some butterflies before the game. That's a good thing. Your body's saying, we're getting ready to compete. You know, and then you get hit once or twice and the butterflies go away and you get refocused. But it's kind of a good thing. And I'll, I'll feel the same way. The only difference is the only person hitting me is Lisa. I usually, <laughs> I usually get about 25 or 30 elbows in the game if I sit next to her. Um, so I'll probably be icing down after the game as well. But I've learned to appreciate it, right? It's like life goes by too fast. You can't just be a ball of nervous energy all the time. That you're, nothing I do, doesn't matter what I eat in my seats or what seat I sit in or how loud I cheer, nothing I do is going <laughs> to determine the outcome of this game. So I've just kind of come to peace with that. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, I'm going to be there no matter what. I Good love stuff. that attitude. That's Absolutely. great. Yes. Ed McCaffrey, three-time Super Bowl champion, joining us here on the Blitz. And what's very cool is you know, your son has a chance to uh, 
uh, win a Super Bowl playing for a coach that's the son of the coach that you won a Super Bowl with, which is very cool. And you talk about the uh, ball of energy that you're going to have. Uh, leads right into your, your, you're here with Low T Center. And if you're lacking energy, Low T Center can certainly help you in that area. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of friends. I'm in my 50s now. Not all my teammates are with me. And so early detection of anything is important, whether it's something serious enough that could cause death, which has unfortunately happened to a few of my friends, or it's something that controls your energy levels. And so, you know, some of my friends, I'm in my 50s now, some of my friends try to be their own doctor and self-monitor. Look, you got to get medically monitored. Don't try to do this yourself. And I'm a really big believer in testing. Right, and so my wife Lisa and I have gotten tested the last couple of years, and um, I think it's really important because you know we're here as long as we're here. While you're here, you want to be healthy, and you want to enjoy life. And there's too many people that are getting depressed, that are angry, that are irritable. It's affecting their moods and their attitudes and their friendships. It costs people friendships and relationships, and there's just no need to do it. Get tested. If you're fine, great. If not, there's something you can do about it. Could, could you tell a difference? In, in your life once you started uh, with the Low T Center? Yeah, well, I just got, I got tested the last couple of years, and luckily I tested pretty good in most areas. But, you know, I think the important part is getting tested. So if something's wrong, you can get uh, treated. And this isn't just for men either. This is for women as well. I don't know you new women can be low in testosterone. And, you know, younger people out there listening don't know about menopause. You ought to find out about it <laughs> if you're married, right? And it's like, but these things are controllable. And back, you know, when my living at home and my parents were my age that they didn't have they didn't know anything about this type of treatment but um, the important thing is to test often early detection is critical and then just think of it this way I want to be my best version of myself not just for myself for my spouse my husband or wife my girlfriend or boyfriend my, my kids my family my friends there's no reason to be depressed to be irritable um, if it can be controlled Good stuff. LowTCenter.com to schedule that test. Three-time Super Bowl champion Ed McCaffrey. Appreciate you stopping by. Have fun on Sunday, man. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun, Ed. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ed McCaffrey here on Radio Row. Coming up as we continue, former linebacker Dahani Jones will join us live here on The Blitz on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Start. It's the Blitz with Jason and Joe, live from Radio Row for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. It is the Blitz here on 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. Our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage continues, brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. He's Joe, I'm Jason, and this is the most powerful man in the room, Dahani Jones, joining us here. The he, most he, powerful <laughs> man well, here, in the room. Here, First of all, you are sitting here with two Stanley Cups, of which I know people are like trying to find a way to go oh, buy oh, well, them, I, to I go mean, take oh, them. I'm not, I mean, I know who the most powerful people in the room are. Look, I'm not... I mean, I'm you not, guys, I'm, if you have a whole car full of these things, they will arrest you. Well, well, I, I, you I don't have a car. Yeah. You saw that article? Uh, but, but I, I, no. There was a lady that had that had like... I don't know, maybe like a couple thousands of these Stanley Cups in her car, and she got arrested. I don't know if well, she stole them or well, not. Clearly, she looking, stole them if she got arrested. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she. Right. Uh, maybe she was investing in her future. The illegal smuggling of Stanley Cups. Now, I say you're the most powerful guy in the room. You sit down. I you're appreciate like, that. Thank I need you. hand sanitizer. No, no. I, I, well, I, 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 I think. Did I say I or did I say we? 
I initially. Oh, I did? Okay. Yeah. All right. uh, you're very it, generous, and, and then you asked, okay. do you have hands on it? No. Yeah, Joe, no. And, and you look around, and, 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 and then all of a sudden, Hand sanitizer appears in your hand, and Voila! then you're, and then oh you're making gosh. sure everybody no around us has sanitized <laughs> their hands. Isn't it amazing? How, but you, just think about it. Like two years ago, we were clamoring to find hand sanitizer. Yeah. We didn't even actually want to talk to one another. No. Now we're hugging each other, kissing each other, giving each other like high fives, shaking hands, fist bumps, and all this other kind of stuff. It's like amazing. I'm so glad we're out of that phase. Yes, it was a challenging time for so many of us during that phase. I mean, I was heavily involved because there was a lot of people that were financially affected during that time and I helped raise like a lot of money and gave $500 cash installments to young people that or not even some people nice. had families yeah. um, that was actually through Stand Together we gave away so much money but over 120,000 wow yeah. impressive yeah 120,000 people wow right? think about that right all these people that were financially affected due to COVID-19 but I'm just happy we're away from that time and into our sort of new time and Raider Row is back in session. It, it, it is back. And, and what's great is because now, you know, our hands have been sanitized, but you also made sure we were all fed today, or yes, you were I, a part of that because we had that's lunch. A, that's a, that's we a, had lunch. <laughs> Dude, you, you are the man. Look, I... I well, well, I appreciate that. I think it's the amazing organization of Stand Together that really should be celebrated here because, you know, supporting so many different amazing nonprofits. Like, like I said, you know, during COVID, we gave all that money away to 120,000 people. They've supported organizations like the Phoenix, which is focused on addiction. They've also supported organizations like Downtown uh, Boxing Gym in Detroit, which is focused on after-school programs. All those kids that go through the program graduated, and now here, right at the Super Bowl. Feeding you food, caffeine momentum, justice-involved, at-risk youth that have been through the juvenile justice system that are trying to find a better way, right? And they're here talking about their story, getting their second chance, but part of their second chance is their second story, right, to be able to communicate it to you. And so as you look at the restaurant that's been in Dallas and Pittsburgh and Nashville and so many places, going new places as well, stand together fixing and tackling some of these biggest problems are solved where people are meeting people exactly where they are and organizations like cafe momentum making that change and being right here at the super bowl in las vegas donnie i gotta tell you when we went over there for lunch and again thank you for that yeah um some of the nicest people you'll ever meet over there mm -hmm. I isn't, mean, that, isn't that amazing so many people have a perception about you know young people or older people that have come out of the criminal legal system right until you meet somebody that's been through it right yeah. you have a conversation change it changes the math right it creates a new opportunity it also makes you understand them them understand you and then you're able to sort of create this level of mutual benefit where you're able to understand and believe in one another versus look down at one another look at them as a problem not looking to help them find a solution right that's what it's ultimately all about and i hope everybody goes up have you did you have one of the ambassadors on your show yet we have not okay, yet. Okay, I no, think no. you all should try to figure out how to do that. That would be my ask. To uh -huh. Go over there, grab one of those young people, one of those ambassadors from Cafe Momentum, have them come on the show and share their story, right? Because we want to have all these restaurants in every single NFL city and other cities as well, too. Dahani Jones joining us here on the Blitz in Las Vegas. With hand sanitizer. With hand sanitizer. <laughs> the cleanest guy here on Radio Row, at least at the moment. Now, long-time linebacker in the league, and... and, and you know, obviously, we're, we're Cowboys country. You played for the Giants, played for the Eagles, right? Though I know you love the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> you know the Cowboys were supposed to draft me in the second round? We're, we're supposed to. Why didn't We're supposed they? to. What happened? I think, you know, actually, I, 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 probably, I probably trained a little bit too hard, and then I ended up 
you know, pulling my hamstring during the combine. When you pull your hamstring during the combine, your 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 draft stock all of a sudden starts to adjust and shift, right? It comes down to those choices that you make at certain periods in time in your life. And then it goes a different direction, well, right? What, what, 97, 98, right? Uh, I graduated in 2000. So that, uh, you know, that 2000 oh, so. draft uh-huh. going to the Giants, I mean, think about it. If I would have gone to the Cowboys versus the Giants, would I be sitting here, right? You know what I learned about today? Did you watch um, Spider-Verse? No. No. Have you, have you? Do you watch any Marvel or anything? No. Okay. No, no, Our no, producer really. right now is freaking out. Okay. All right. So, so, but, if your producer us. can dial in, tell him. Right, he or play, she to pop, say what's pop, up. Pop in, yeah, in. pop in and say something. <laughs> All right. But they talk about in in these different multiverses the canon moments. Uh huh. Canon moments. Canon moments are things like Spider Man would not be Spider Man had he not been bit by the spider. That's right. a canon moment, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Superman, Superman, all of a sudden Krypton, all this other kind of stuff would not be Superman, right? It's a canon moment. So I wonder if getting drafted, you know, like I try to figure out what's the canon moment of me arriving here. Like playing football was at the canon moment, so it didn't matter what team. I just ultimately ended up in this seat. Right, it's a canon moment. Bow ties, you know, things that are are absolute in the timeline of your life, no matter what the verse or multiverse you might actually be in. So I can't wait for your producer to call in. Change because are you gonna, uh, are you gonna pipe in here? He's speaking your love multiverse language. and these canon <laughs> moments are critical. And I also think when I think about um, this is the Super Bowl, you know, these two guys, in a lot of ways, people would have thought that they weren't supposed to be here. Right, I mean, especially Brock, Mister Irrelevant. Yeah. Right, he wasn't supposed to be here, or was he supposed to be here because he was supposed to be Mister Irrelevant? Because a lot of people were not supposed to believe in him, so therefore he was supposed to believe in himself, and then the team was supposed to take him, and then all of a sudden Shanahan Dude, was supposed to. Right? Right? <laughs> right? I don't know. You think about these moments. These are canon wow. moments. Yeah. Maybe this. Maybe you know what? Everybody makes a joke about the NFL being scripted. You know, just let's just throw it out, throw that out the window, and just realize that life is scripted. Right? Let's just like raise wow. it above like one level, right? We don't know the plan, we don't know the time, we just show up and it's all of a sudden there. Right? So in, in essence somebody wrote the script. Whether you're a believer or not, there's something that's greater than yourself. So anyways, I can go down a lot of paths, but I'm excited to be on y'all's show. Well we're excited <laughs> we're, uh, we're excited. And they give you guys hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. hand sanitizer. <laughs> you're you're much you're much smarter than Jason and I, I can tell you that right now. Come on. Because Come I, on. I yeah, well, I was lost the you know, the first sentence. You know, I, I Was it ask- the spider or the verse? Which one lost you? Oh, I think both. Okay, I mean spider, it. verse uh, yeah, no. No, that's, that's it. But you're right. I mean, things happen for a reason. You have a platform because you played pro football, yeah. and look what you're doing with it. Mm, so yeah. you were maybe supposed to do that. Maybe I was supposed to do it. I mean, I've loved it. Um, I've loved the transition even that much more. I love the opportunity to work with different causes like Cafe Momentum and Downtown Boxing Gym and working with places like the Phoenix. I love working with Stand Together. Stand Together is phenomenal. Um, but the game gave me so many amazing tools in my tool belt, ones of which I've realized it's not about me. It's something greater than myself to give back and to be able to invest and learn about small and medium-sized companies so that I can grow those businesses too and to be able to have a, an opportunity to talk in front of people and that, be able to put together good sentences so that I can communicate <laughs> effectively. Is that a Michigan yeah. education? Oh, yeah, the greatest university <laughs> in the world. You all know that. What, what was that? Did I hear something? What was that? What was that? Oh, someone. Oh, the, uh, dude, you guys. Make sure you hit high. the cough button. Hit you guys the cough are, button when you do that. You guys are right high. 
You guys are riding. First high. of all, we, we're always riding high because we, we know we know who we are. We're the greatest university in the world. Period. End of discussion. Well, we you know, know that. For, for about a decade, Everybody, as a Longhorn fan, we've right. been saying Texas is back. First of all, everybody wished they could have gone to Michigan. Period. <laughs> Dude, it's cold outside there. The answer is no. <laughs> you, you don't have to lie to me. Is that mellow yellow? I don't like cold. Uh, I don't know. You want one? No, no, no. I thought it was mellow yellow. I don't know what that is. It's soda a, pop. It's soda a pop. starry lemon lime. I don't even know what that is. I no, don't no. either. You want it? <laughs> it's got like, like, was it yellow six? That stuff is bad for you. No. That's good. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Well, congratulations the honey, on the you. championship, the honey by the Jones, way. man. This has been thank interesting so much. and fun, man. Thank make sure you, you guys go. Lunch. Make sure you guys go. Get, you already had the lunch, yep, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right so tomorrow, tomorrow, um, 11, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., all the kids are going to be over there as well. Remember, go grab one of those kids, have them on your show, have them tell the story about like how Caffeine Momentum changed their life. I think it's really important, and everybody else who has a chance to listen in, cafemomentum.org slash Super Bowl. Awesome. Appreciate Perfect. you. Donnie right, Jones, so much. man. Great right, catching up you. with you, Thank man. you very much. Appreciate Good it. stuff Hands as sanitizer. always. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Fun stuff with Donnie Jones here on the Blitz on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Stars. Our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Road coverage continues here from Las Vegas. Brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. There's all kinds of things going on around us, and I'm not exactly sure what is Dude, it's, happening it's, here. Uh, it's, the buzz in this place is incredible. And, uh, you know, we, we get good guests. All of a sudden, Rob and RJ just show up. The professor and Mort just kind of come in. They said, man, we don't get guests like that. Well, I, I mean, now, I'll be fair to them. They're going to have Dan Marino tomorrow morning. Oh, uh, I mean, okay. I well, mean, you know, well, it's no Dahani Jones. but have got to throw it, him a bone, it, right? It, it's close. I mean, Dan Marino brought them M&Ms, and we got hand sanitizer from Dahani Jones. I think we well, win. I think we're better off. I, I think we There's win. There's no question well, about that. Well, because the M&Ms, and somehow a half-eaten Rob Thompson bag of M&Ms are still here. It, it's the uh, peanut butter uh, M&Ms, but now, not the rings that they're going to have. Well, Maybe. Could yeah. be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and you never know who you're going to see. Yeah. You, you know, now, one of the – everybody here has a challenging job. They do. Not that I'm going to embarrass my friend Liz that just sat down. But her job is keeping up with Michael Irvin's schedule. Have you ever wow. tried herding cats? Yeah, yeah, that would, is what she yeah. does for a living. Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want that job. It's fun. It's fun? Yeah. There's always something. Always. 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 always, Love Michael. Well, and seeing Michael Irvin. I mean, you know, because Michael Irvin has this cat herder. He's got the this person, the that person, and the get-along guy. Because Michael Irvin can't walk three feet in here without 18 people trying to talk to him. So you got to have that move-along guy. Yeah, you got to keep going. I mean, there's, you know, there are a lot of people on that staff. Absolutely, as there should be. He's Michael Irvin, for goodness sake. He needs a lot of folks like that. But Michael's the friendliest guy in the world. Well, and he's going to so say hi to everybody. That's exactly right. He's so. going to say hi to everybody because that is, well, that, that that's what he does. And, and so Rob Thompson has made it back to Radio Row. So he's apparently had a nap. And apparently it was not Rob Thompson that was on the sphere that climbed up on the sphere earlier today. That person has been arrested. Yes. So they've gotten them down from the sphere. I'm not sure if they just used like a slingshot to get him off there or what they did to go get him off the no. sphere. But it clearly wasn't Rob Thompson. The guy got up to the top of the spear and went, ah, I'm on the top of the spear. So he came down and got arrested. 
that was weird. That's exactly what happened. That, 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 was, that, <laughs> that, that, was, that was weird. That's exactly what happened. The traffic apparently on oh, the strip yes. was a nightmare because they closed it down. And that's what I don't understand. The sphere is far enough away. If you fall off of that thing, you're not going to land on the street. Why did they have to close down traffic because the dude was on the sphere? Uh, I don't know. Can we get the police chief on? I, I, I have mean, no answer. I, I really that. don't want to know, but I want to know. Like, there was no reason for them to close that thing down, the street, the strip. Imagine it's Super Bowl week, and they have closed down the strip because there was a dude on the sphere. He's not going to jump from the sphere to the strip. Well, it, it doesn't matter because we were in here. We didn't have to get in traffic. So I'm glad it's cleared up. It'll be fine now, and, and it didn't affect you or me. Although traffic this morning at 8-ish was a little bit more than it was the last couple of days, so I'm wondering. Dude, it's going to get worse well, of from here it on is. out. Uh, it, uh, uh, yeah, everybody's arriving in town now for the Super Bowl. Uh, Vegas is just hopping. I mean, it's just, man, the vibe here is just incredible. What do you think? Yeah, it's incredible. It, it's it's fun times, and you look at. I'm, ta- I'm going to talk to Liz. Well, she's a lot more interesting than you. Well, Liz could put on headsets, so we could talk to her. <laughs> Will Liz put on headsets? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing not. Now she's turning red, yeah. which I've never seen. Don't embarrass her, dude. Uh, I could tell stories. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I mean, it goes both ways. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it works. <laughs> it, it, it certainly works that way. So you think about where we are with the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the defensive coordinator position. Uh huh. The fact that Rex Ryan has entered the chat, which we've talked about tongue and cheek. If you listen to uh, the morning cuddle with Rob and RJ, you 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 know that RJ is not happy about the candidates that the Cowboys have right now for defensive coordinator. And you really do wonder what in the hell is the plan for Jerry Jones. Well, it's uh, look, I I got to admit and I hate to admit this, but I'm with RJ on this. Rex Ryan? Are you kidding me? That, that just sounds like a, a prank, like somebody's getting pranked. Rex Ryan? I mean, honestly, that just sounds like a joke. Well, I, I mean, it is. Uh, but it's Jerry Jones, so Why you have to you take it. Why would you interview that guy? Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he was a hell of a defensive coordinator. And as he I was. Had, a, 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 well, I mean, and he might could be again. You know, he wasn't the greatest of head coaches. I, I think everybody got turned off on Rex Ryan when he was on Hard Knocks talking about his foot fetish. Well, um, and, and, and so now you, you, you think of Rex and think of... It's Sexy Rexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, I don't care. Look, I don't care what fetishes he has, it, it, as long as he can do the job. But the guy's pretty good on TV. And and let him stay on TV. I just to me that just makes the Cowboys like a, a, a just a laughing thing. I mean, it's just a joke. I I don't know what the hell's going on over here, but it's crazy. Well, they're 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 setting up to do something. Oh, and uh, and in the meantime, every time Rob Rob around wires always makes me nervous because he's either going to unplug the entire convention center room or it's going to blow up. What one one of the things? Well, you can't defend yourself because you just unplugged your microphone. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Rob Thompson, awake from his nap. I am awake, and I'm here to defend myself. I will have you know that I defended our country as a munitions maintenance guy. I used to defuse bombs. I kid you not. Gee. I spent eight years with some wire cutters and a flashlight. I am not kidding. Wire cutters and a flashlight. And I am we, still. I only have nine fingers, but the... Well, and the fact that they got the one sewn back on, it all works out so, pretty well. You could worry about other stuff around well, the well, no, no, now, no, no, Was that you on the sphere today? Well, that was we, worried about you. What are you yeah. talking about? What did I miss? <laughs> dude, seriously. <laughs> miss? Some dude... The traffic got stopped on the strip today for a oh. couple hours because some guy climbed up on top of the sphere. Sweet. And it was shortly <laughs> after you left, and we didn't hear from you. I, uh, and so we wondered if it was you, and then Ryan Ego remembered, you can barely handle the steps in the I, house. I You're not say, climbing the sphere. Uh, uh, what's that song? As good as I once was. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get no, one of them, but not as many. I had no doubt that it wasn't you. But it's kind of a slant, though. It's well, not straight up. Oh, come on. I, the dude's it, been it's arrested. Not, it's not really a slant. I it's a sphere. A it's, a, it's a ball. That's you, what I'm saying. If I, I mean, you would have start? to be crawling upside down for a while before you were able to kind of flatten out and then, and well, then go up. If somebody gave me, like, a boost, this little little leg up, well, it'd have to be Wimby's and, I mean, uh, tw- ten others. It's yeah. not a steep. It's just... Round, yeah, well, yeah, it, it, it kind of is. It, it's crazy. <laughs> it was cool to see you guys with the Honey Jones. That is one smooth cat. He? He, no, he's he great. He's yeah. a lot yeah. of fun. I have no idea what we talked about, but he is a lot of fun. That is for sure. It is the Blitz here on ninety four one at San Antonio Sports Star. Our AA Best Bail Ponds <laughs> Radio like... Row coverage continues. We've lost here control. from Las Vegas. <laughs> Joe Reinagel. That's the third time in seven seasons the San Antonio Spurs are the NBA champions. Jason Minutes. They go back to big day as Super Bowl champions. Dallas 52, Buffalo 17. It's the Blitz on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. It is the Blitz here on 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. He's Joe Ryan Engel. I'm Jason Menix. Our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Road coverage continues from Vegas. Brought to you by Centergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. He's Joe. I'm Jason. What a day. Boy, I tell you what. It's just a bang, 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 bang. It's been fun, though. That's the fun of uh, Radio Row. Out here at the Super Bowl, it's just you never know who's going to show up. You never know how that's going to happen and how it's going to play out. It's just a, it's a lot of fun, and that's the uh, the excitement and, and the fun of the, what we're doing out here. The organized chaos of everything that goes on with Radio Row and keeping everybody on schedule, which is one of the more challenging parts because, yes, it is. you know, radio guys, you go a little bit long on an interview or player sees a, a buddy of his that he hadn't seen in a while and, you know, uh, uh, how you doing, how's the family kind of thing 18 times and, you know, then then you get behind schedule and yep, that's, yep. that's the way it works. Although everybody's trying to stay on schedule and go from, uh, go from there. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, Joe Cardona is the uh, uh, salute to service winner for USAA. He's yeah. going to be by at 4.30. Um, Michael Lombardi at 5 o'clock. And I saw, I think I saw Michael a little while ago walking by. And, again, I want to go back and revisit something that Michael Lombardi said last week on ESPN that is worth exploring a little bit more when he said that based on talent – the Dallas Cowboys actually overachieved this year. 
and I think most feel like the Dallas Cowboys underachieved with a roster capable of winning a Super Bowl. So when I hear a formal general manager say, dude, you won 12 games in the NFC East, you overachieved. I need more detail on that. I need a little bit more insight. I got, I got questions when I hear that. Well, yeah, and you should have questions, and I've got questions too. Look, I, you know, you go back, it depends on who you talk to, right? Did Jerry Jones do a good job or did he not do a good job putting a, the talent uh, that was necessary to win uh, a championship? I think he did. I think he put a lot of talent around this team. And I, I think it came to the players underachieving. Uh, I, certainly, they didn't overachieve. I can't imagine that they overachieved. They underachieved. Everybody expected this team to be there at the end, if not up on this poster here at Super uh, Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Well, well that's it. And I, I think you could have... You can have both if you're really splitting hairs here. Did they overachieve in the regular season getting 12 wins? Uh, sure, maybe, possible. Uh, did they uh, underachieve in the playoffs? Most definitely. And, and so it, it's interesting when you try to balance out and judge the overall season because in some ways you look at this and for me as a Cowboy fan, it's all about postseason. It's all about playoff success. Mm -hmm. Would I rather, you know, I think about the Giants as a nine-win team, wild card. They went on and won the Super Bowl. You know, you don't remember the regular season. No. But, you know, they went and won a Super Bowl. When you look at the Cowboys, you know, three straight years of 12 wins in the regular season, 36 wins in the regular Who gives a damn? If you're not playing deep in the postseason, if not the Super Bowl. Well, that's it. It doesn't look. I mean, regular season's regular season. You have to play well, win enough games to get there. But, you're. I mean, who's talking about 12 wins? I'm not. You're not. I mean, we're talking about what didn't happen in that first round of the playoffs. And what didn't happen was a Cowboys win. And, and that's, what, that's what it's all about. Look, if you assemble a team and you give your fan base that hope each year, year in and year out, and you come up short year in and year out, you, you should hear it. Fans should be disappointed, and they should uh, express that disappointment. And, and it's just that's what fans are doing now. When you look at it and you think about where the Cowboys are, continuing to be the center of conversation around Super Bowl Radio Row, and it's interesting because you know we're around a lot of the Texas stations, so the things that we're talking about, but everybody you see... Um, when are the Cowboys going to get over the hump? And I think part of it, too, is the last couple of years with the rosters that the Cowboys have put together, there is the feeling that they're finally going to be able to take that next step. They're finally have got their stuff together to be able to do it. You've got a coach in Mike McCarthy who's done it before. He wants to tell us the buy-in. He's told us they're a championship team without a championship, which <laughs> might be the funniest damn thing that I have heard a coach say. Uh, 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 Mike McCarthy, buy-in. We're a cha No, you're not. You're not a championship team until you're a championship team. That's exactly right. And, and look, I get what he was talking about. It's the, the talent's here. You know, we, we have the guys around us to win. We just haven't done it yet. And, and, and so you take that one of two ways. Uh, all right, they're underachieving. They're not uh, stepping up in the brightest moment uh, when they have that opportunity. Uh, or they really don't have the best talent around them, and they need to get better. Um, you know, both things, I guess, can be true. The problem is um, Daryl Moose Johnson, when he was on with us here earlier on Radio Row, said it well. When you're paying four or five guys 
max contracts, it's going to be very difficult to field a championship-winning team. It, it really is. And the salary cap gymnastics that the Dallas Cowboys are going to have to do becomes even more interesting when you factor that in. Because, again, you go back to winning decisions or business decisions. And only Jerry Steven and Mike McCarthy, Will McClay, are going to decide Dak Prescott. And do do they believe? Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what Ryan Eagle thinks. Doesn't matter what you and your car thinks. Fred in your <laughs> cubicle, it doesn't matter. It, it's what do those guys think. Can Dak Prescott be the guy to get them to the Super Bowl. They've had a lot of belief up to this point that he is that guy. That doesn't mean at some point they can't say, well, we were wrong. Yeah, at at yeah. some point, I mean, there there has been, and I believe them, 100% belief that Dak Prescott was the guy to do that. Do they still feel that way? That becomes the bigger question because that can change. We all can change our mind. I mean, of course, I, I, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody can change your mind as as new evidence is in front of you, and the, the playoff record is dropped to two and five. New evidence, yeah, maybe this guy, yeah, that playoff Prescott, yeah, that that's more real than the belief that he can lead this team farther than he's done to at this point in his career. Obviously, the only guy that can answer that is Jerry Jones, and and he's got to come to that decision uh, on his own and and if he does come to the decision that look Dak is not the guy he'd be better off somewhere else maybe he needs a uh, some fresh air somewhere else then you got to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to replace him but at this moment in time Jason and I've said this before and I'll continue to say it I have no hope in fact less hope right now than I had at the beginning of the season that the Cowboys will win a playoff game much less go to the Super Bowl next season. Yeah, but it's February. I mean, once we get to, like, free agency and, and they draft somebody that should have an impact in the first year and then June and, you know, August, we're in Oxnard, we'll be changed. I mean, it, it's the cycle. We'll be ready for it as we continue our Radio Row coverage here from Las Vegas. I know Hunter Hayes is going to be playing on 420, April 20th, down at... The Aztec Theater. You want to win tickets to go see Hunter Hayes. Be caller number nine right now. 210-656-ESPN. 656-3776. For one San Antonio sports star, he's Joe Ryan Eagle. I'm Jason Menix. Our AA Best Bail Bonds radio row coverage continues from Las Vegas. Brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. Perfect guest to talk about Nick Saban going to game day. <laughs> Adam Redman joins us now. And, and, you know, you Penn State type doing some broadcasting now. You, you were recru a recruiter at Arizona State. <laughs> so you know about all the crap yeah. with the NIL, right? Yep. And, and a lot of people wonder, was that what put Nick Saban over the edge to drive him to go do television? Yeah, it definitely had an impact. I mean, the, the, the schedule for college football coaches nowadays is insane. I just did an interview with Jeff Halfley, who was the Boston College head coach, just went to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. So took a D.C. job to leave college as a head coach. We used to not see that ever happen before. And it's because of NIL, the transfer portal, and really the coaching calendar. I mean, these coaches are dealing with a bowl game, uh, NIL, transfer portal, recruiting, a signing day period, all in the same the same period of a month or two. The college football is the only sport 
the only sport there is that does free agency during the season. It, it makes it's no nuts. sense. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that trend's going to continue. I think you're going to see head coaches yep. leave and try to get into the NFL or do something else. Uh, we're San Antonio, UTSA, Jeff Trailer talks about it all yep. the time. You're recruiting 24-7, 365. Yeah. I mean, recruiting really is the lifeblood of a program. I saw it firsthand when I was at Arizona State. You know, we had uh, Herm, Edwards, Herm Edwards was the head coach. Antonio Pierce was the defense yeah. coordinator. Uh, I mean, we were recruiting all the time because the talent acquisition is how you win in football. You need good players. It does not matter what your scheme is. does not matter how, how good the plays are that you call if you don't have good players. So you're recruiting 24-7. I think everyone in college football knows that. But the calendar and what's allowed in NFL, on the portal it's no longer recruiting it's you know i was talking to trent dofer who's who's the head coach at uab he was telling me how there's literally parents that think they're agents right and they're calling (laughs) around saying and and at uab think about the smaller scale it's not in alabama they're not dealing dealing with big numbers he goes i have kids parents now with nil calling asking for ten thousand dollars or saying they want guaranteed season tickets for their family like it's just crazy the stuff they're dealing with now and there's no legislation because of the the failure of the ncaa when you think about it adam the the idea of a parent calling all right coach you want my kid i need 10 grand or a million or or whatever the the number is with a lot of the players that are coming out today is it the coach the school or the dollar amount, that's the number one priority. Man, it's the dollar amount now. I mean, that, that, that's the reality. And I don't even blame the kids, right? If, if I were in the, their shoes, I mean, think about my playing career. I was an All-American in college, never played in the NFL, had a knee injury. I made no money playing football, none. Despite all the time that I put into it, despite the All-American awards, I never made a dollar from my football career because there was no NIL and I didn't, I didn't play in the NFL. So I'm a great story of why it's good for the kids to get paid, right? They're in college putting their body on the line. They should get paid. Uh, but it's now become where it's being used in recruiting. There's no level playing field. There's no salary cap like there would be in the NFL. There's no, there's no, guarantee, there's no timeline for free agency in college football. So that needs to change. But if I'm a kid, I'm telling kids nowadays, go to where, you know, there's a balance, right? Go to where you're going to get the most money. But it's got to make sense for your future because at the end of the day, you'll make way more in the NFL than you will in NIL deals in college. Don't pick a school because you may make forty grand here opposed to thirty grand, But... That's the conversation that's being had where you, when you're getting recruited now, you need to know how much money you're going to make because you need to get what you're worth in college football. And the market dictates what, what you're worth. And top quarterbacks and defensive ends and left tackles are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars for Power 5 football programs. But when you look at it, Adam, I mean, how much is enough? And, and, and I hear the stories all the time. Guys get into the portal and yeah. say, well, I'm going to sit here and maybe my school that I was playing with will give me this or match yeah. these guys. And it's just yeah. becoming a bidding war right now. And I wonder, you say you wish you would have gotten paid. And I'm all for college football players yeah. being paid. But but how much is enough? Is there a ceiling? Is there a limit yeah. that we can I, go? I, I, I really believe that where this goes wrong is the combination of NIL and the portal. If it was just NIL, it wouldn't be an issue. If it was just the portal, it wouldn't be an issue. It's when NIL is used for the transfer portal to entice kids to transfer because of NIL, right? That's the combination that, that hurts college football. I was talking to uh, Kenny Pickett on my on my podcast who played at Pitt. Obviously, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback now. He stayed at 
pit during his whole career. Despite, he could have transferred a bunch and probably made more money. And he said to me, I'm worth way more in the portal than I am staying at pit. Because, obviously, when you're when the bidding goes up and you hit the portal, everyone makes offers. When he just stays at pit, there's no leverage. He makes, you know, 100 grand at pit on NIL. If he hit the portal, he's worth 800 grand to a Power 5 program. Now, he decided to stay at pit, which was a great move, became a first-round NFL draft pick, made way more money, made the right decision. But that's the reality, and, and kids nowadays know that, if I hit the portal, I'm worth more money, uh, and, and the bidding war will start. So, again, that's where the legislation has, has to come in. That's where the NCAA, that's where we just saw the Big Ten and SEC join, uh, form the alliance. Something has to change to make it a level playing field in college football. Adam Brenneman joining us here on the Blitz as a podcast, has done games for CBS, ESPN. Uh, basically, you're, you're a gun for hire. You'll work for anybody that will, will give you a paycheck <laughs> Anyone, man, because yeah. you, you, you didn't get all, all that NIL money. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious. Um, an example that I, I know very well. Cam Ward started in yeah. San Antonio at UIW, went to Washington State, and now he's at Miami. Originally, he was going to go into the NFL draft. And the numbers that were thrown out there were were insane. His dad said, don't believe everything that you're reading out there. Yeah. I don't know what he actually is getting, but his dad said, don't believe what you are reading are the numbers that we are hearing in the media for a lot of these yeah. players accurate, or are they getting inflated so kids can hopefully get close to that? Yeah, they're getting inflated, uh, certainly. I mean, that's the one thing when you talk to coaches, they all say that the numbers, don't listen to the numbers. And, and as you just said, there's agents at play here. There's agents that want to leak numbers, just like in, co- in NFL coaching, you have agents who leak that my this coach got an interview for this job. It's all bidding war, right? So the, there's numbers that get leaked. I'll, I'll tell you what I know from working in this industry and being around a bunch of agents and coaches. Uh, power 5 quarterbacks are are at, at, at the upper echelon of Power 5 schools are all making a million bucks a year in NIL money. Mm-hmm. And those are payments from the collective uh, that are paying them monthly retainers to stay at their school. Um, uh, mid-level Power 5, 5 to 6 to 700 grand. Uh, the, the top skill players, defensive ends and tackles. So those are the, the, the in corners. So like elite cornerbacks uh, are all making half a million bucks a year at, at power five schools, uh, like in Ohio State, like a Penn State, like a SEC school, all those. Um, now, again, there's the the rest of the roster who's not making that kind of money, but that are making 50 grand, 100 grand, 20 grand, d- depends where you're at and, and, and what your status is as a player. But those are the numbers. You're, you're talking you know, close to a million bucks a year for a lot of guys that are really good players on, on Power 5 teams. Do you see a scenario if this isn't fixed? And I think it will be because I think people see the urgency of getting some sort of a handle on this. And we hear the term guardrails yeah. all the time. But if it's not, do you see a a, a scenario where these collectives, these big boosters will get tired of writing these checks? I mean, the money runs out at some point, yeah. right? I mean, that, that's the issue in college football is all these NIL came, and all the big donors got asked, we need a million dollars. We need two million bucks for our collective. Well, what happens is this. Your donor gives a million bucks to Team Y in the ACC or the SEC. Well, then Team Y doesn't win many games that year, right? So then maybe they go 6-6. Six and six, And all of a sudden, big donor, when you go back to him the next year and say, we need another million, he's like, you won six games last year with my million bucks. So how do I know my million bucks is going to be worth anything now? So there's donor fatigue that comes in uh, where where the donors don't want to keep giving a million dollars every year. And these collectives now, I mean, 
the, the numbers that are true are the numbers that, that, that these schools are spending on their rosters, right? I mean, Ohio State is spending 12 and a half, 13 million bucks on their roster. And then you have the, the competition in the conference where if Ohio State's spending 13 million, then Penn State thinks they should be spending 13 million, right? James Franklin's calling his donors and saying, you want me to beat Ohio State every, every year? But we're spending $8 million, they're spending 13 right? There's no salary cap, no level playing field, so it inflates the numbers, and then everyone's asking for more money. At some point, it's going to run out. And that's why I don't think we'll see the collective model stay as the model of college football. We're going to get to a point where there's revenue sharing for the athletes, where the TV deals come in, where uh, a lot of this is allowed to be in-house at athletic departments. You know, right now, coaches technically can't talk about NIL with the players. We all know it's happening, right. but it's technically against the rules. Yeah, I mean coaches online too. He needs more of your money going back to, to Penn State. Where, where can people find your podcast? Uh, on uh, on YouTube at Next Up with Adam Brenneman. We're, we're on Spotify and Apple, wherever you can uh, can, can listen to podcasts. Adam, man, this has been fun. Appreciate we can, we can do this all day. Yeah. Appreciate you, Thank man. Thank you so much. Appreciate Good it. Stuff. Thanks, Thanks for so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank As you. we continue here on Radio Row, uh, Joe Cardona is going to join us here. It's not often you get a guy in a uniform show up. I know it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. USAA. He's, he's got well, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, he wants to make uh, it happen. Yeah, a, a, a uniform, a Navy uniform and Super oh, Bowl wait rings. A minute, wait a minute. Yes, Joe Who's Cardona. Uh, do you not recognize the uniform? <laughs> Good Lord, Joe. <laughs> it's the Blitz with Jason and Joe, live from Radio Row for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. It is the Blitz here on 94.1 at San Antonio Sports Star. He's Joe Ryan Eagle. I'm Jason Menix. In Las Vegas for our AA Best Bail Bonds Radio Row coverage brought to you by Synergenics and Southern Recipe Small Batch Pork Rinds. We've got a naval officer with Super Bowl rings sitting in front of us, Lieutenant Joe Cardona, long snapper for the New England Patriots. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. I've you know had the little runaround today of uh, media obligations, uh, a lot of face-to-face interviews, you know, TV interviews, but I'm happy this is a radio one because they say I got a face for radio. So yeah, but good. look right into that camera, my yeah. friend, because oh, we are yeah. live on YouTube. Yes. Never mind. I take yeah, it all, so you, I take you it can all back. show those Super Bowl rings off to uh, those watching. Hope there's a lot of San Antonio uh, Patriots fans out there. Yeah, there's not. Those are this huge. Is, this is Cowboys country. Th- those are huge. I mean, really. Well, we sorry, are for loss, sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. No, you're um, not. <laughs> Joe, I mean, this is it's amazing. You look great, and, and I'm glad that USAA has got you uh, here and, and very happy for you, and congratulations for, uh, for winning this award. This is fantastic. Yeah, extremely grateful to be recognized as the Salute to Service Award recipient. Um, you know, grateful for a lot of things, but I think I'm grateful for most grateful for the recognition of my fellow service members. Um, you know, I'm one of very few service members that uh, – also gets the pleasure of um, getting to play professional football. Uh, you know, there have been a few of us that have done it throughout. Uh, you know, our 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 the history of our league here. Some pretty big names, uh, as you guys mentioned. Oh, your, yeah. your guys, Cowboy. Uh, there, Roger Staubach and Chad Hennings, and you know, some very legendary indiv- individuals that I'm following in the footsteps of. Um, you know, and I I think about that when I think about this award. Are the people that came before that walked in both these worlds? Um, you know, this is the 13th award, uh, 13th annual award. I'm the 13th recipient, and uh, you know, to think about the the men that have re- that have received it before me, 
uh, and the work they've done, it's, it's, it's really an honor to be a part of that. The Salute to Service Award presented by USAA. The winner is Joe Cardona. Now, Thursday night at NFL Awards, they, they do it officially, right? You get to be on TV and do The do press release that. was today. The, yeah. So, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, like, the secret is out, The right? secret is the, out. The secret um, is out. Yeah, and and the, you, you've known for a while because they even made, like, cool little challenge coins um, yeah. it, with your autograph on it. You've got the – is this your first personal challenge coin? Uh, I, I do have a couple floating around uh, for some, you know, sailors that accomplished some pretty extraordinary things, you know, for personal challenge coin. Um, but I'm happy to add these to my repertoire because, hey, at the end of the day, um, you know, the opportunity to recognize, uh, you know, an individual for, for good work, I'll never pass that up. And uh, that's what the challenge coin represents. You as a Navy vet understands. I mean, even our trophy here, um, you guys might be able to see it, but the rest of you on the radio, this is about a five-pound challenge coin about the size of a personal pizza. Um, <laughs> USA, very generous to give me about, uh, you know, 12 pounds of bronze here. So, um, you know, really great, grateful, uh, you know, and I think it's a, a good representation of what our military community is about and the honors and the values we hold dear. And uh, bringing it back to a challenge coin is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's just awesome to have you here and win that award. And USA does such a great job. And congratulations and thanks for your service. But I got to ask you, here how do you become a long snapper? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> Amongst everything, you know, uh, long snapping was a was a unique opportunity. Um, you know, for me, I, I grew up in a Navy household. My dad was a sailor, and because of that, we'd show up extremely early to practice all through growing up. And, uh, you know, he taught me a skill that uh, we'd show up early, you know, I'd, I'd work on my long snapping, and then I'd go play, you know, like, you know, I'd play tight end, I'd play um, defensive end, linebacker, all over the field. But, you know, something we always had, that we'd show up early, we'd work on the craft, and um, he knew that I, no matter what team I was on, I would have a job. I think he was looking at that from the high school perspective, to be honest. Like, hearing him talk about it now, he thought I wouldn't be a great varsity athlete. Like, you know, Tony Soprano's kid or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I look back, um, you know, I, I had a lot of fun playing football, but obviously I'm, I'm most grateful for, the, for those times and for that insight because it's, it got me into the Naval Academy, my dream school, the only place I wanted to go. Never expected to play a snap in the NFL. When I showed up in Annapolis, um, you know, but one thing led to another, and I just keep snapping, and here I am nine years into an NFL career, a couple Super Bowl rings. Um, couldn't ask for anything better. It, it is it is pretty crazy when you think about it. It is a visit with Lieutenant uh, Joe Cardona with the New England Patriots still. Going through and you think about, like, one of the cool things we get to do with our radio station, thanks to the USAA, is we go to the Army-Navy game every year. And I went once when I was in the Navy in the early 90s, and it's it's always incredible. And you realize all of those athletes on the field, they're, they're likely not going to the NFL. There's very few exceptions. You're one of them. Most delay service and go play and then they have their naval commitments after similar to what or you know david robinson from san antonio he did his time and then joined the spurs after you're doing it at the same time yeah how challenging is that on a day-to-day to to handle your naval responsibilities but also hell you're playing for bill belichick for all those years uh we know he's strict how how do you balance all of that yeah the balance has been something that i think it's ingrained in 
you know so many of us that wear the uniform you know you you have a you have a job that's hard um that's demanding and then they're they expect you to go home to your family you know and be a functioning member of society when <laughs> you know all day you're talking about you know weapon systems and and you know tactics uh there's a there's an element of separation that you have to have and and for me you know as a reservist I've, I've, I've embraced that role because that's what every reservist does. And I know you guys have a ton of them in San Antonio. You guys have a ton of them. You know, USA has a ton of them. Uh, ultimately, you know, you balance your military career with your civilian career and then your home life. You're, you're wearing three different hats, and um, I'm doing no different. I'm, a, I'm an NFL player, um, you know, and that's very exciting. But first and foremost, I'm a naval officer, and uh, it's something I take pride in. My, my unit's in Newport, Rhode Island. You know, want to give a shout out to to Mezron Eight. Um, you know, small boat unit, maritime security. You know, we got uh, 500 plus members all up and down the eastern seaboard. They deploy to to you know the Middle East. Uh, it, it's it's an awesome thing to be a part of because I get a unique understanding that no matter what I'm doing in the civilian world, we may have just lost. We may have had 13 losses.